Island Chapel. My name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors here. And earlier this week, a proclamation to make today a special day of prayer was issued by our governor uh, considering COVID, the elections, and all that's going on in our state and our nation. And as we should be praying always, at our homes and as we gather uh, with, with, uh, with other, uh, other believers in small groups and in other places, uh, let's take a moment uh, right now to pray and remember, remembering that God is sovereign and he's got this in his hand. If you will bow with me. Father in heaven, We believe that a sparrow, a bird, does not fall to the ground without your knowledge. And so we are certain that you are aware of our condition and our concerns. As we think about COVID, and sickness, God, we pray and ask for your healing hand. As we think about the elections, we pray and ask you to direct and to give peace to our nation. God, we ask for you to continue to turn hearts, to turn hearts all across our state and our nation, in all different domains of society, in education, in government, in business, in our homes. God, we pray and ask for you to continue to turn hearts to you. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, your Son, and our Savior, amen. All right. Well, uh, it's, it's encouraging to be missed, and a few, a few folks uh, have said, uh, hey, we missed you last week. Uh, good to see you back, and it's always it's always good to be missed. Uh, last week, uh, when uh, Chase and the Reynolds family were here, uh, which I got to to watch that online, and it was uh, it was that was awesome. Uh, I got to uh, visit with one of our uh, former pastors, Luke Brown, who's in East Texas, and so uh, he asked me to come out there and to preach about church planning. And so that was, uh, that was a, wonderful, a wonderful experience, and it was good to see Luke and his family and to worship with the church there in Henderson. Uh, but uh, today, we're going to be jumping back into uh, our journey through the Gospel of John. And we're going to be in chapter 6 today, and we're calling this journey through the Gospel of, of John, Tell Me Something Good, uh, because... 
Um, that's what the book of John is all about. It's all about the good, the wonderful, the fantastic, the terrific, the best news ever of Jesus. Um, so start turning over there to John chapter 6 because that's what we're going to see today. As you're doing that, uh, think about this. Uh, one day earlier this week, I was uh, leaving work and I was thinking about food. And I was thinking about what I was going to be eating that night. And so I stopped by the grocery store on the way home and uh, just to run in for just a few minutes and grab a, uh, a few things for supper. And uh, while I was in there for just a few minutes, I ran into a few of you who were doing the exact same thing, thinking about food and taking time to go and get food. And so consider for just a minute Consider for just a minute the time, the energy, the effort we put into satisfying our physical hunger. We wake up in the mornings and we're thinking about what we're about to have for breakfast. Uh, we're, we're, we're at work and we're talking to our coworkers and saying, hey, where are we going to go for lunch? What are we going to grab for lunch today? Uh, as, as the day goes on, we're thinking about supper, we're, we're getting home, we are preparing, taking time in the kitchen to prepare, to fix it, uh, to eat it, uh, we're making grocery lists, we're going and shopping. We spend a lot of time, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort for our physical hunger, but what about our spiritual hunger? And that's what Jesus is addressing here in John chapter 6. Now, we're still in the first half of the Gospel of John. And in this first half, uh, the author, John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes uh, 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 about several stories uh, of Jesus' miracles and then the controversy that came uh, from that and Jesus' teaching uh, truth from that. And so we're right in the middle of that. at this point, many people had started following Jesus because they were seeing people healed. Uh, they were seeing uh, crazy, marvelous things uh, that cannot be explained by logic. Uh, they were seeing that right before them. And so they were following Jesus because they wanted to see more. They wanted to experience more. That's, that's the setting uh, that we're in this morning. Uh, Jesus was, uh, was, was in the, uh, the wilderness. There was crowds of people that were coming to see more miracles, uh, uh, to see more people healed, to experience that. Jesus looks and he says, uh, wow, there's a lot of folks here. What, what are we going to do to care for them? How are we going to feed them? And one of the disciples said, uh, it would take more money than we got in our pockets. And, and besides that, where would we be able to buy enough food for this large, massive crowd? Uh, another one of the disciples uh, said, well, and I wonder if it was almost like a joke, uh, said, well, there's this boy over here and, and he's got his lunch, uh, a couple of fish and a few biscuits. But, you know, again, what's that going to do for this massive crowd of people. And then we're going to start reading in verse 10. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, 
and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. This happened. They started with a small lunch. Everyone ate. Well, I've got a, several kids, and, and maybe you've experienced this, but talking about eating till you're full. So we've got several kids, and when we've gone to restaurants over the years, we've told them, we've prepared them before we order. We say, hey, guys, go in, eat whatever we order for you, and if you're still hungry... When, we're, when we leave, we're going to go home and you can fill up on crackers. And so maybe you've done that before. But, but we've prepped our kids. We would go eat with, with friends and, and we would tell our kids, don't be asking you know, for, for, their, for their food, for whatever they're not eating because it's happened where they're like, oh, you're not going to eat those fries and they're taking you know, some of our family friends' food. And so to eat till you're full... That's, that's really something for, 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 for our family. But the scripture says that the, the men alone numbered 5,000. So we're talking about a huge crowd of people. And they ate till they were full. Till they, were full. they started with just, just a small lunch. And they gathered leftovers. Again, a, a hot commodity at our house. You have to hide them. My wife and I hide them behind like jars of pickles and things that maybe the kids won't look at. They gathered leftovers that were greater than what they started with. This is an incredible miracle where Jesus fed the people. And so the people received it like that. And they rushed at him. And, and they said, we want to make him our king. We want to make him our leader uh, of what they had in mind. Jesus escaped that situation. He told the disciples, his close friends, he said, hey, get in the boat. Go across the lake to the other side. And he stayed up on the mountain to talk with his father. Well, night went on. It was the middle of the night. And this is where we pick up in verse 18. Jesus has been talking with his father on the mountain. The, dis the disciples are in a boat out in the middle of the lake on their way to the other side. Verse 18. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. Jesus walked on the water. We, ju we just sang earlier that, that, that he, he turned the sea into a highway. In this instance, he turned the sea into a sidewalk. These miracles that we, that we just read about and the others that are in this book, uh, they are for real. 
they happened, uh, and we don't need to look past this because it's incredible, just as the people that were there realized this is incredible what we're seeing. Jesus turned water into wine. Uh, Jesus healed the sick. Um, there was someone who couldn't walk, and then Jesus met them, and, and they could walk. There was someone who couldn't see, and then Jesus met them, and they could see. Uh, Jesus gave life to the dead. He demonstrated power over nature. He demonstrated power over the supernatural. Jesus demonstrated power over death. This is the Lord that we worship. Uh, he is fully God and fully man and capable of anything. The miracles that we read about, the miracles that John writes about, they attest that Jesus is the rescuer. It wasn't just to feed the physical hunger. It wasn't just to meet an immediate need that Jesus performed these miracles, that Jesus uh, saved a wedding party. It wasn't just, just for, for that immediate fix there. That's not the only reason he did, did these things. The miracles attested that he is the rescuer, that he is the one sent from God. They point to that greater spiritual truth. Again, that's why John wrote this book. We read at the end of the book in John chapter 20, he says, look, he did, he did more miracles than, than what I even wrote about. There was a lot more that we saw and that we experienced. But in verse 31, these are written. I wrote about Jesus feeding the 5,000. I wrote about Jesus walking on the water. These are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. He said, I wrote so that you would see that he is our rescuer, our Messiah. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, the church is just about to explode, just blow up and spread. And Peter is preaching uh, to the people that are around. And, and this is what he says in Acts, chapter 2, verse 22. He says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed, in case you're still wondering what's up with this Jesus, in case you still don't know what to think about him, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. The miracles pointed to that truth that this is the Holy One of God who came to rescue us. Now, miracles, we, we, we like miracles, but let's not miss the miracle worker. We benefit from, from blessings when God steps in, when God intervenes, when, when God blesses us. We benefit from those blessings, but we shouldn't forget the blesser. We should enjoy the gifts, but cherish the giver. Like the prizes, but love the person behind those prizes. Uh, think about if you've had small kids. Uh, think about maybe a birthday or a holiday, uh, you know, a family gathering that you were at. And, and maybe there was an aunt uh, or uh, some grandparents who just love to, to, to just give, give your kids uh, gifts and toys. And, and as a parent, as you're watching that, you, you, you're okay with your kids enjoying the toys. You want them to play with the toys. You want them to like the toys. But more than that, you want them to appreciate and to love 
the aunt, to love the grandparents who gave them the gift. You don't want them to get so hung up on, on oh, I'm going to go to grandma's and, and get a new prize. You want them to want to go to grandma's so that they can spend time with her because they love her, the person, more than the prizes that they get. Think about that. The people tracked Jesus down across the lake. They said, okay, he's, he's gone over there where we're going to go and see him again. They were following him. They wanted more of the toys. They wanted more of the prizes. They wanted more of the blessings. And so they track him down. They find him. They were coming because they wanted Jesus to meet their physical hunger again. They were coming because they wanted him to fix their leg they wanted him to fix their eyes. They wanted him to feed their bellies. Thinking about feeding their bellies. Uh, this week, I saw that, uh, that one of you had posted a recipe for, uh, get this, pumpkin chicken chili. And that, that excited me, uh, I'm going to tell you. Uh, number one, because I'm a big fan of chili and I'm interested in pumpkins, all right? And so no matter how good uh, that pumpkin chicken chili or whatever your favorite recipe is, no matter how good it might be, no matter how much that meal might cost, at some point, you're going to be hungry again. At some point, you're going to need another helping and it's not just food that we crave. Uh, there are other things in life that we long for, uh, for that physical appetite uh, as well. Uh, things that we think will give life satisfaction and meaning, uh, but they'll never, they'll never be enough. We, maybe we're chasing accomplishments, and, and so then we reach this goal, this achievement, but then we're just immediately chasing the next milestone because that, that feeling of fulfillment, that feeling of satisfaction when we, when we finally got there, it, it doesn't last. It's, it's, it's like filling your belly at, at, at supper. You're going to be hungry the next morning. Uh, we look to family, uh, friends. We, we look to experiences. Um, uh, we look to material things, uh, toys to give us joy and purpose. Now, thinking about that, uh, C.S. Lewis, a uh, great Christian uh, thinker of the 20th century, he, he put it like this. He said, I cannot find a cup of tea which is big enough or a book that is long enough. In other words, none of these things can give lasting joy, can give lasting purpose or life. Only Jesus can satisfy our spiritual hunger. And that's the, the, the point that Jesus is going to try and make and explain and clarify for the people uh, that were fed by the two fish and five biscuits. So Jesus goes on to, to explain the truth behind uh, this miracle. And that truth is that he's the rescuer who can give life, meaning joy and purpose that lasts, that sustains that doesn't go away and leave us hungry again. So we look in verse 26. The people have found Jesus again. And this is how Jesus addresses them. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. He says, 
He says, you want more toys. You want more prizes. You, you're not here because you understood uh, that I'm the rescuer. You're not here because you understand that, 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 that I'm the one who came from God to, to, to save you. That you're not here because you realize that those miracles point to, to this, to, to me. Verse 27, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Well, he says, spend your energy seeking eternal life. And, and the people ask, what do we have to do to get this eternal life? And Jesus makes a very clear statement in verse 29. They say, what do we have to do to get this eternal life that you want us to spend our, our time and our energy and effort on? What do we need to do? In verse 29, Jesus told them, the only work God wants from you, believe in the one he has sent. In other words, believe in me. That's the only work that God wants from you. Now, there's some very neat connections um, between what's happening in this passage and the feeding, with the feeding of the crowd and the Old Testament passage of God providing a manna uh, for Moses and the people of Israel when they were in the wilderness. There's a lot of connections here. It's really neat. We're not going to expand on it a lot, but, but, but if you want some good Bible study, I would go after it. Uh, Exodus chapter 16 is, is a good place for you to start. But Jesus moves on from here, and he makes several statements about how he is the bread of life. He had fed them bread, but he makes several statements here about how he is the bread of life, and by believing in him, you will have life that lasts, that satisfies now, and that sustains. It doesn't go away. And we're just going just to kind of bullet point these verses. All right, they're about to pop on the screen, and I want you to read them with me. We're just going to go boom, 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 boom. All right, so verse 33, let's read these out loud together. Verse 33, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Verse 40, for it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Verse 47, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Verse 58, I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors, ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am the one who, who can give life that lasts. I, I'm greater than a, than a quick fix. The eternal life that Jesus promises here to all who believe has two aspects. Uh, first, it's a relationship with God now. It's knowing God now. It's experiencing him in your life right here, where you are. It, it's, 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 it's having his joy, his peace, his purpose in your life 
where you're at now. That, that's the first aspect to this eternal life that Jesus promises to those who believe, to those who will come to him and eat. The second aspect is it means that life is everlasting when Jesus comes again. He says in several instances here that we just read, he says, I will raise them up at the last day. And we're thinking about the resurrection. We're thinking about heaven or, or, or life on the new earth. He says, I will raise them up at the last day. They will be with me. So we have a life now, and it's life that lasts forever. St. Augustine, early church leader, he famously said this line here. He said, you made us for yourself, and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. I'm going to read that again. You made us for yourself, and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. God made us to hunger after him. God, God made us to, to long for him. Events, blessings, achievements, materials, friends, nothing else will satisfy that hunger but Christ alone. There's a point there's a point where we might realize this and just have to come to him and say, God, I need you. I need you. I will die without you. I will have no peace without you. I have no joy without you in my life. I have no purpose without your hand on me. I need you. I have to have you. And if you're a child of God, then, it, then at some point that occurred. And you came and you said, said, Jesus, I've got to have you. I need you. I am trusting in you uh, to give me life because nothing else will do. Nothing else will keep me from death. Nothing else can, can overcome my sins. I've got to have you. If you're a child of God, then you've come to that point once. But for, for me, maybe you can relate. I'm a child of God now and always. He's living in me. He's marked me with the Holy Spirit, as Ephesians 1 says. But I have to come back to feed often. I have to come back to Jesus often because this life is tough. It is hard. And I have to come back. Mm. Oh, could you say, Jesus, I need you. Right now I've got no joy. I need you and the joy that you give. Right now, I don't know what to do in life. I need you and the purpose and the meaning that you bring to life. Right now, I am anxious and I'm scared and I don't know what's going on in our world and I don't know what's going on with, with my friends around me. God, I need your peace. And we have to come back. I have to come back often to feed and to, be, to get that spiritual nourishment that only Jesus can give. He is the true bread from heaven that satisfies and that sustains and that's for real. I want you to go ahead and, and take those communion kits. And uh, when we're doing this, we got to have a little more prep time because these little communion kits are tricky. <laughs> And so uh, we're going to hear some seals being pulled and stuff, and that is okay because <clears throat> we want to get to the goods. 
the top seal. Uh, if you pull back the top seal, you'll have access to the, to the, to, to the wafer or the bread. And then you can pull back the, the, the main seal after that, and you'll have access to the drink. And so the communion kits were in the seats there, so you ought to be able to find one around you. Uh, for those who are worshiping online, uh, hopefully you were able to pick one up uh, this week. They were made available this week, so hopefully you were able to get, uh, to get one. And we would love for, for all of us to be able to participate together in this. Now, Jesus taught in this passage that we've just kind of walked through of chapter 6. Jesus taught that he was the true bread who satisfies our spiritual hunger. We spend all this time on our physical hunger. And we want those blessings. We want those toys. But he said he's the true bread who satisfies our spiritual hunger. In verse 54, he states very clearly, Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. Now, Jesus wasn't literally, wasn't saying to literally eat, to eat him and to drink his blood. This was an illustration. And this was before he instituted what we are observing now as the Lord's Supper communion. Uh, That was on the night uh, that uh, that he would be arrested, the, the, the night before he would be on the cross. But we see here very clear imagery as he's pointing to that. Just as you take bread uh, into your body to satisfy your physical hunger, Jesus is saying you need to take me into your life to satisfy your spiritual hunger. Now when he said this, those statements that we read earlier out loud together, just very clear, very direct, very straightforward. I am the bread of heaven. If you eat of me, you will have life forever. When he made these statements, much of the crowd, they couldn't handle it because they wanted the toys, they wanted the prizes, but they didn't want the person. And so they left. They couldn't handle that truth. They were good with the miracles, but they didn't want the miracle worker. Jesus then turned and he asked his closest friends, the disciples who were there with him. And he said, are are you going to leave me as well? And Peter, speaking for the group, replied, Lord, to whom would we go? Maybe you've been there. Where else am I going to turn for for life? Where else in this world am I going to look for look at for peace (laughs) nothing else satisfies Peter said Lord to whom would we go you have the words that give eternal life we believe and we know you are the holy one of God now for the past 2,000 years as the church has grown has worshipped Jesus has spread and is continuing to, for the past 2,000 years, the church has been observing communion, taking the bread and the cup to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. And when we do this, we are saying, when we do what we're, we're about to take together, we are saying, we are agreeing with Peter that we believe. We believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God. We're saying that we believe that He died on the cross to pay for our sins. We are agreeing with Peter that that we believe that he rose from the grave on the third day, beating death. And we believe that only he can satisfy our spiritual hunger, giving us life now 
and forever. Taking the bread and the cup is a picture of the spiritual reality of taking Jesus into your life. So communion is for everyone who has done that. If you are a follower of Jesus, then we invite you to take the bread and the cup in just a, in just a moment. If you're with your family and you have children who've made a profession of faith in Jesus, then, then we invite them to participate as well. For other children that may be with you, allow this to be a, a teaching uh, opportunity uh, uh, to, for today. As we prepare to do this, I want us to take just a moment uh, to reflect and to pray. So if you will bow your head. I'm just going to give you a prompt and then I'll close us in prayer in a moment. But let's reflect on, on our spiritual hunger. Let's reflect on how only Jesus can satisfy. Let's reflect on how for our sins we... <laughs> We, we can only count on, on the price he paid on the cross. Let's reflect on how we are unworthy of his love, but he bestows his grace and his mercy upon us. Jesus, we believe that you are the Holy One of God. Thank you for the cross. If you will, please take the bread, take and eat, and with this, remember the sacrifice Jesus made. Take the cup and drink. And with this, remember the blood that Jesus shed.